the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Or good afternoon, I guess. <laughs> Sorry about that. Saturday. Uh, let's start thinking positively. When the change, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change also. It's not about being the best. I'm sorry. It's not about being the best. It's about being better than you were yesterday. Uh, My mouth's not working as well as it should. A truly rich man or woman is one whose children run into their arms even when his hands are empty. There we go. Uh, Anyway. I think uh, there's a couple things that we'd like to talk about today, and uh, one of them is uh, our webpage. If you go to WHK1420 and go to local podcast down the Smart Investor Show, it, it brings you right over to my webpage. And, you know, on the home homepage, there's uh, the bulletin board, which has a weekly newsletter about the markets, and it also has Bob Schleimer's Trend and Cycle stuff, uh, which is good information, by the way. I mean, uh, you know, I... I've been learning more about Rob every day, and uh, he's considered one of the top technicians in the world, not just in the United States, in the world, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, there we go. Also, under Insights, uh, you know, there's a thing that says RBC Wealth Management is home. Then under Insights, there's some really good stuff in there. Like uh, like this week, we added how are recession risks impacting your equities? Does slowing growth have a silver lining for fixed income investors? The audio commentary, the 20. 22 mid-year outlook uh and that, that is with janet angles who is uh she's forgotten more than most of us have learned and will inflation determine the future of equities and so what they do is they change that on a fairly regular basis so there you go all right uh <laughs> i'll just leave it at that uh this is the live show so if you have any questions so I, I think the number into the the uh the desk here is uh 216-901-0945 that's 216-901-0945, and Lenny will take your uh, – Lenny's a great guy, does a good job. So I listened to Lori Calcina this week, and uh, she's our head strategist, and she's very good at what she does. And She had uh, – there was a lot of questions for her uh, on an institutional call this week, and, and this is kind of how they were asked. So uh, equity investors have been asking whether inflation has been good for stocks and earnings. And for the most part, we think it, you know, by looking at that, you know, uh, numerical evidence, it has. And we view moderating inflation as more of a headwind in the outlook for stocks than many investors may realize. Okay. Second, a number uh, have asked our opinion on the low quality trade. What normally happens is when you come out of a recession, it's the low quality stocks that lead. Okay. And we think that'll probably occur this time. However, the problem is, is look, I, uh, I work with people who are going to retire someday or who are retired. So the low quality trade is a little bit tougher. So what, you know, what we do normally is we buy some of the real high quality names that are down, okay? And then we add the small quality names as they start to run because they, you know, they do run, but they do run, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of, you, you got to kind of wait to see the whites of their eyes. Let's put it that way. And and a number of uh, people have asked if we could dig deeper into our section uh, sector recession playbook analysis, and uh, we replicated it for 24 industries, areas that tend to outperform during recessions, as well as the broader market drawdown, uh, include commercial and professional services, consumer services, materials, retailing, and transportation. 
I did not like, I, I looked at the material ETF this week. I did not like thing, and I'll talk about that more. Um, now, Tom Porcelli, uh, he, he brought out a piece on, the, uh, I think it was on the 5th, uh, or maybe it was, it was right before the 4th of July. And um, Look, some economic sectors are cl- uh, clearly vulnerable this, as we go forward, and we are now uh, layering on top of Fed embarking on an aggressive hiking cycle. And, and the problem is that they waited until the economy was losing momentum. To, to start the cycle, and, and that's atypical. Um, you know, if you look at the charts and stuff like that, you'll you'll see that we tend to not be fans of the index of leading economic indicators. Um, you know, because sometimes they they they're still up when the cycles the momentum's starting to die. But the Fed started the cycle when the backdrop was already losing momentum clearly. So the question is, you know, uh, when you start raising rates into an economy that's starting to fail, the chances of your recession go up, okay? Now, just remember, the stock market will bottom and start to go up once they think, the you know, we're at the bottom of the recession, okay, which we could be. So, look, the risk of a recession appears to be rising. Let's, let's be honest, okay? So, for Equity market performance, the more important consideration is to the degree to which the market has already factored in these risks. And we weigh the data from several indicators and discuss, you know, uh, a few things that, you know, you try to get a one-size-fits-all market, but it's rare. But look, here's the things I'd be looking for. The U.S. Consumer Inflation Report on July 13th, I think, is going to be very, very important. It's next Wednesday. Corporate uh, Second quarter corporate earnings reporting season. They start in mid-July. That starts next week, and it runs through you know most of August. And then the two-day Fed meeting, which will produce an interest rate decision on July 27th. And then finally, the next day is the GDP number for the second quarter. So those those are the things I'd be watching if I were you out there. <laughs> That's what I'm watching right now, anyway. So now, uh, look, one of the things that we have seen um, is. There's been a drop in inflation break-evens, which, you know, kind of, you have to put yourself in kind of the inflation transitory things because if demand goes down, you know, demand went, people went crazy during the pandemic because they sat at home. So they wanted things. Now things are opening up and now they want experiences. So you notice airline flights are going crazy, but, uh you know, there's also another thing that's starting to happen. We're starting to see some of the more aggressive loans for like cars, you know, subprime loans, we'll call them. Uh, people are turning in their cars. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, that's been the main source of inflation has been cars and oil. And if we start to have uh, a period of time where people don't want cars anymore, you know, look, I'm driving a car that I probably would have turned in uh, had it not been for the pandemic and got a new one. I'm still driving it. I probably will for a while. So now can inflation accelerate if inflation expectations and inflation leading indicators are tanking? That's the big question. And uh, I don't know the answer to that yet, (laughs) but you know, look, inflation is kind of a state of mind. Milton Friedman wrote many pieces about this and I've read a lot of Milton Friedman and you know, Inflation, if you think you can buy something and sell it higher very quickly, inflation is going to happen. If you start to say, whoa, what's the Fed doing? You know, back when Arthur Burns was the Fed chairman, he turned on the tap and he never turned it on. I mean, you know, and I think he had conversations with Jimmy Carter and, you know, President Carter didn't get it. All right. He was a smart man who didn't get it and it cost him. And I think, uh, well, you know, we'll see. but. Look, gasoline futures are down about 24% from their all-time highs. Um, retail gas, although retail gas is only down 4%, so that should come down a little bit. Uh, so you'll see some stuff starting to happen that I think are, will be interesting. So the in- incoming economic hard data, most of it anyway, uh, over the last few weeks uh, may not necessarily confirm increasing signs of of softening inflation. I think it'll come later. 
You know, because economic policy, you know, when the Fed raises rates, it takes about six months to happen. Okay. Uh, and, and that's the problem. You know, when, when you start to decelerate quickly, we had a negative quarter last quarter, and you start to decelerate and you're raising interest rates into deceleration, you're asking for it. Okay. So, you know, the question is do you want to look at inflation or do you want to have a recession? And that equals uh, kind of a, a market focus of either half empty views or worse or half empty, <laughs> as I said last week. Okay. Um, so things are changing. Inflation readings uh, are disturbingly high, as well as, you know, you have an aggressive Fed rhetoric about future rate hikes and have many commentators observing that recession risks are rising. You know, guys like our chief economist, uh, uh, our global economist is Eris Lascelles, and he's stating that risks are high for a recession and will, you know, probably arrive sometime over the next 18 months. Just remember, by the way, RBC Capital Markets, Tom Porcelli argued that the start of recession could be even closer than that. So the point is, you know, before where we had uh, the yield curve was expansionary, it's neutral now. The conference board leading indicators, neutral now. The new orders minus inventories is recessionary. And new orders are a, a big tell, big tell, okay? So where all of them were green just a month ago, you know, with speed, we're starting to see things happen. Now the the ten the yield curve, the ten year to the one year, okay. So we're looking at the ten year yield versus the one, has has flattened, and it's gone inverted a couple times. The the two year has gone inverted several times. So an inversion of the yield curve usually uh, is something that you know you have to be pay attention to. Now I'm going to suggest something that for you fixed income people, there's what is known as a hybrid preferred the banks put out. And uh, they are a ballast for turbulent times. So as the interest rates go up, these things hold their value pretty well. And then when the interest rates start to come down, they pop a little bit. So, look, you're not going to make a million bucks on this, but it's a good place to put, uh, you know, some money. And what you got to look for in banks that you buy are strong capital levels, solid earnings potential, Reg- regulatory risk management. This is important, especially with Bitcoin, et cetera, Ethernet, et cetera. And then potential government support in the event of significant risk-off event, you know, uh, where the Fed goes way too far. Uh, these things, you know, if you have a good, high-quality name, and I got a list of them. So uh, if you'd like more on that, if you'd like just to read the thing on uh, bank hybrids, let me know. Uh, once again, you go to you know, WHK1420, go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, goes directly to my webpage, and there's all sorts of email me, contact me, that type of thing. We don't, we don't, we don't abuse the privilege. We're not going to call you every day or anything like that. So um, I was listening to uh, Salima Croft this week, and she's, she's on CNBC quite a bit. Uh, she's an ex seal <laughs> She's, she's a tough lady, and she's a very smart lady. And uh, she's talking about, uh, and in our, by the way, some of our Euro and and uh, U.S. integrated energy people were, were talking. And, uh, you know, our view is that the energy sector, you know, I, I said several weeks ago, I thought energy would cool off. And it cooled off in a hurry, 25% in a week. I wasn't expecting that, to be honest with you. But uh, the energy sector has seen more positive earnings revisions than any other sector year to date. And despite the word recession now being front and center, the commodity complex across oil, gas, and refined products looks set to drive further positive revisions, revisions this year. So given how much balance sheet repair has already occurred in the last 18 months, we believe there's some there's upside to shareholders. Now, look, when you break a downtrend line, okay, after a long period of time, and the Commodity Research Bureau Index, if you had a conversation with me, I showed you, uh, you know, if I had coffee with you, I showed you a chart where the Starting 2009, commodities topped and went down for basically for 13 years, we'll call it. And they broke out. And normally when you break out from a downtrend, you come back and you test that downtrend line. What happened? Ukraine happened. And because of that, commodities went up further. So their, their decline is going to be bigger. They're going to test that downtrend line one more time, but it's going to be a bigger decline. Because it had a bigger rise in the beginning. 
All right. It doesn't mean it's over. It just means with the, you know, commodities have stopped going down and the Ukraine situation topped it up. You know, wheat's down for the year. Wheat went up a thousand percent. It's down for the year now. Okay. So I, I think, you know, you'll see the same thing with oil. It'll pull back. We'll get down to that downtrend line or we'll go sideways for a while. One of those two. You know, so you don't, you don't have to go test the downtrend line. You have to just you pull back just to make sure everybody can't sleep at night. All right. <laughs> and then we'll start to pick back up. Now, the question is, will it be a commodity bull cycle? Will it be a super cycle? And and that's what we got to we got to think about. So, you know, uh, commodity prices and the latest guidance from companies, we um, we looked at and we upgraded our commodity price uh, uh, deck. And, and that's the most significant change in our estimates are from higher refining margins. So we'll, we'll continue to see. You know, uh, President Biden is giving the oil companies a hard time. And, you know, it's kind of funny because they make less money on a return uh, on equity basis than a certain company that builds shoes over in China and sells them over here. What's wrong with that picture? That's what I want to know. All right. Uh, no, no comment, though. Just leave it alone. So uh, I, I, I've been looking at a few things, and, and one of the things I've been looking at is the biotech group. <laughs> the biotech group is right at its downtrend line, and you know they've been hated for two years now. Actually, they've been hated since 2015. You know, biotechs are below where they were in 2015. So is in healthcare. Healthcare is gaining more votes in dynamic asset level investing than our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us, or, or now the NASDAQ, all right? But we're right at the downtrend line. If we were to break that, things could get really interesting in the biotech field. Uh, I own a couple, and uh, uh, things are are getting very, very interesting there. So we'll just leave it at that. But remember, the big change in trend has occurred. Yields broke a 40-year downtrend, and they're holding. Meaning, yields ain't going back down. So, you know, I talked about uh, our Savvy Investors Credit Workbook for almost a year and a half. Five people got it. <laughs> I would suggest that no longer do you want a, a flexible loan. You want to lock in your loan if you can, especially if the, if the yields pull back at all. I don't think they're going back down. I think the bull market in bonds is over. Uh, the U.S. dollar has been in a downtrend since 1984, 36 years. And it has broken out, and it broke out, and it tested the downtrend line all again, and then moved back up. And it's broken out now. So the dollar is in pretty good shape. And it, you know what I like about it is the daily momentum is kind of overbought, but the monthly momentum is kind of flat. So there we go. Now, the, I, I think there's a couple things we have to worry about. And then, and then we'll talk. Then we'll talk. Well, let's 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 take a break, and and, and we'll come back and talk about those uh, in a second. Uh, hey, this is uh, the Smart Investor Show. It's live. You can call in. It's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. We'll be right back. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Now let's be honest. Aren't we always honest? We say we're straight-talking plumbers. I meant bluntly honest. Okay, gotcha. If you're a first-rate plumber, you can write your own ticket to work anywhere you want. And we want you for why it works. So here's why you should choose us. One, no on-call. Because family time is sacred. Two, family first, and we'll work with your schedule. What good is raise a family money without quality time with the family? Three, we've got a truck waiting for you. And it's a sweet rolling warehouse of a truck. Four, mom's breakfast every Tuesday. And it's so good. Six, we're growing, and you can grow with us. You want to move up? You can with us. Seven, we'll teach you to wallack-a-doodle. And we'll teach you how to spell it. Eight, no on call. Uh, you already said that. Oh, because it's important. 
five. Work with the best plumbers and for the best customers in Cleveland. Oh, that is a biggie. Yeah, I should have put that first. Or at least between four and six. Anyway, if that sounds good to you, hit us up at whyitworks.com. License number 30185. Brandon Tatum sees more government overreach. According to laws in New York State, you have to provide a reason for you to carry a gun. In home self-defense, according to New York State law, isn't enough for you to be able to carry a gun. You know how ridiculous that is? The Officer Tatum Show, weeknights at 7 on AM 1420, The Answer. Or on iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Okay, we're back. Uh... Just tune in. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And one of you know, look, uh, there's a couple things. Uh, somebody asked me what I'm worried about. Well, first of all, this is a four-year cycle. There are four-year cycles within the 17-year or 16 to 18-year cycles of a secular bull market or a bear market, okay? And in that cycle, usually, I mean, we hit bottom in 2020. So we'll probably start the big move up in, in the latter part of 2023, but we'll start to make a little bit of money in 2022 and then 2023 will 2024 will be big years i think so you just got to remember the four-year cycle within the 16 to 18 year cycle so secular bull markets usually last 16 to 18 years the problem is we do not have a higher low yet and we haven't broken the downtrend line all right uh since we started in you know basically the last week of uh, november all right of last year. Uh, so this is, you know, a six-month bear market we haven't seen in a long, long time. It's been very difficult. And I think you got to, you know, look, there's one thing I'm worried about. And then the NASDAQ composite, which, you know, I, I said back in March of last year, we were, 80, we were at 80 on the bullish percent, and you have to be careful. Uh, it's It's got the line in the sand, and it, you know, look, it's broken this a couple times, so it's what they call an undercut on a on a monthly chart, or a weekly chart, I'm sorry. It's it's got to hold the ninety eight hundred change level, okay nine ninety eight hundred ten I think it is, uh, for it to hold that uptrend that's been in place since the bottom in two thousand nine, and that worries me a little bit. And the fact that we haven't made a higher low yet worries me, and because we're going into earnings season, so a lot of my clients have cash, a lot of cash, not as much in some cases as I'd like to, uh, you know, but. They also have big profits from the move before, and so it's hard to hammer them with a lot of taxes. But it is something that uh, you know you have to pay close attention to. Uh, in my humble opinion, you know you have to uh, um, you know you, you don't want to do anything stupid. Uh, and and you know we're we're trying to do tax efficient investing, and and sometimes. It hurts in the short run, but it usually comes out in the long run. So, look, here, here's a couple things that I've seen that, you know, just this is Tim talking off the top of his head and uh, reading Rob Schleimer and Mark Newton from Fundstrat and everybody else that I'm looking at. And one of the industry groups that worries me a little bit is the material sector. Uh, you know, it, it was making a series of higher highs and then it broke its support level. Uh, now, this may be going back to that big move up, uh, you know, we talked about after the Ukraine thing. Um, so we'll just see. But, I mean, there's a big, big gap between the, the support areas on, on this thing. And, uh, I mean, there's support down like, you know, uh, $80, 90 on the, on the ETF. So you want to be a little bit careful, uh, <laughs> more than a little bit careful, I think. Uh, so. You know, I think you have to be, uh, you know, watching those very closely. Uh, you know, I own some Freeport MacMoran, and I'm going to be watching that fairly closely. Uh, now, the other thing is, is I look at the FANG stocks, and I'm starting to get interested because we have what they call a pennant. And, and a pennant formation is where you make a series of higher highs and a series of higher lows. It's kind of like a triangle formation uh, or a coil pattern, I think, is what some people call it. And it's relatively straightforward. As you as you reach reach uh, a natural end or an apex, as the two two trend lines eventually are going to converge, okay, uh, you're either going to go up or down. And you know, right now it looks like we're going to go up, but I'm not 
you know, uh, and the reason I say that, we got a couple of divergences that are positive. Um, but there are names like Twitter in there. And I think, uh, you know, Elon Musk killed the deal this weekend. So uh, we got to watch the fangs and some of those names because they're, they're involved in that area. Okay. So, uh, but, you know, um, the other thing that worries me a little bit is the credit spreads. Spreads. Uh, if you don't know what that is, you probably should. Uh, maybe the canary in the financial mind, and uh, you know, usually they lead to capitulation. By the way, uh, when they have big declines down. Okay, so um, uh, you know, look, there's there's a lot of things going on. I mean, there's I don't know if you know what backwardation is in commodities, but backwardation means that the 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 Near-term price is higher than the long-term price, and the, be, the the behavior in the oil futures is that, and it usually means that something's going on that we don't know about. And I think you know you got to pay uh, particular attention to that simply because of the fact that uh, you know, hey, you know, stuff like that happens, and and you get uh, you know <laughs> you got to be a little bit more careful. All right, so. Uh, Okay, so here's some things that we uh, we saw that we we really liked. And uh, oh, first of all, we put out a new top 30 global ideas for 2022, uh, or I should say, we put out a new report. You know, we're keeping the top 30 ideas for 2022, but we put out a new report on them, which I thought was uh, uh, a fairly good report, uh, and. You know, take it from there. The other thing I want to kind of emphasize is we've been talking about this barbell approach to your portfolio, where you have some value and you have some growth, okay? And then in the middle, you have your dividend portfolio. And they've, they've, they held up really well up until, uh, <laughs> you know, we had the kind of the wipeout when the Fed raised rates, you know, said they're going to raise rates by three quarters of a percentage point. And, and that was a, you know that they took ten percent off the market in, in four days, so there wasn't much you could do about it. But uh, the dividend growth stocks have held up extremely well. I mean, you know, some of them there's like five of them I have aren't down. Now some of the growth stocks have taken it on the cuff, and some of the value stocks were doing great until about a week ago, and then uh, that was the oil stocks, etc. And they took it on the cuff, but. It is a good way to participate no matter what happens. And if you look at the, the S&P 500 forward PE valuation versus the S&P 500, they're now almost at neutral. All right. So growth, I'm seeing some, you know, and I'm going to talk about this later on the show, but I am starting to see some, uh, you know, divergences and, and that's, that's a positive. Okay. Now we had Steve Shetmus on and Steve is our, uh, he handles a lot of our uh, consumer stocks, okay? And I thought it was interesting. He talked about four things. Um, he talked about margin pressure has prompted two of the big, big retailers to further raise consumer prices. All right, now my wife went to a certain retailer in Macedonia, and outside there were train loads of merchandise, train cars, literally. Uh, Something tells me that raising prices into that is stupidity on their part because they got to get rid of all that inventory. They don't want it sitting on the shelves because they, you know, they're not making margins. But that's for somebody else there. Okay. He also said softness has continued against many of the discretionary categories that he follows. He also said private label share is increasing. It's still below the pre-pandemic levels, but it's increasing, and consumer. Mobility has begun to stall out and decline, which is interesting. So uh, a couple of things that I thought were interesting is the CPI uh, is continuing to lag the PPI. And normally, that's the last thing that happens uh, before. And the other thing I thought was very, uh, you know, something that you need to think about is food and energy expenditures as, as a percent of disposable income is now up to 11.3%. It was at 8% just six months ago. Uh, so, you know, it, it's rising fairly quickly. Um, 
And the other thing we noticed is that a lot of consumers have begun drawing down their COVID nest eggs, where, you know, if you look at savings, it's actually below where it was before the pandemic, uh, which I, I find fascinating. But, you know, the grocery store expenditures are up 10%. Health and beauty, people aren't purchasing that now. Uh, it's down 2%. Household goods are flat. Home and garden is down 20%, so that's the biggest move down. Party and, and occasions are down 10 15%. Apparel is just about 3 or 4%. Tools and home improvement are down 10%. Office is down 5 So you can see a lot of these things that we were buying beforehand, we're not buying anymore. Electronics, uh, which had a big move up in 2020, uh, are down 10%. Same with toys. Uh, pet expenditures, which had gone crazy, uh, they were up 18% at one time are down, uh, just up 4%, I should say. Automotive expenditures, which in 2020, people, it was 25% increase, is, is now negative, negative eight. So I wonder, you know, if manufacturers suggest the retail price is going to last much longer. Uh, so there's been a lot of change. Entertainment is, is a negative now. Sports are negative. Uh, so you're, you're starting to see some changes in the retail environment. And we'll just leave it at that, okay? Um, so where do we go from? Yep, where do we go from here? Well, let's take five minutes, and we'll talk about the bullish percent when we get back. Remember, this is live show two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. That's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. We'll be right back. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Hey, Bob France here, and we're in studio once again with Mark King from Keeping Medicare Simple. Mark, are there a lot of bad actors out there breaking the law and making Medicare phone calls? Unfortunately, we've seen an increase in that activity this year, and that person who is calling you is calling you to get you to change your coverage. He or she is not looking out for your best interest necessarily. They are calling you just to make a commission. Mark, in addition to those illegal phone calls that people are receiving, they're also seeing Joe Namath on TV and a whole bunch of other people. Can we trust them? Well, (laughs) Joe Namath is not your friend. If you call that number, you are giving permission to Medicare insurance agents around the country to call you. Even though most of those agents around the country may not know what the specific limitations are in Ohio. Right, and that's the great part of dealing with us. We know the local plan. You know the local plans, you know the local restrictions, and that's why you want to call Mark King and Step at 440-832-8936. That's 440-832-8936, or log on to keepingmedicaresimple.com. It's time to tee up for the 2022 Pastors Masters. Get your team together, enjoy a day on the greens alongside fellow pastors and ministry leaders Thursday, July the 14th at Bunker Hill Golf Course. Registration is going on now at whkradio.com. The Pastors Masters isn't just for pastors. We would love for you to join us if you're an associate pastor, worship leader, youth leader, anyone involved in ministry at your church or organization is welcome. Don't have a foursome? No worries. We will pair you up on the day of the outing. Register at whkradio.com. All right, we're back. Just looking outside, it's beautiful. I can't wait to get out there. Um, so I was looking at a couple things this week. Uh, you know, I, I do the charts every day, and uh, then I read all the research. So, and um, you know, I, I had an interesting conversation with a couple, and they we did one of our welcome. <laughs> Uh-oh. The Beatles always trying to get center stage. Anyway, uh, so this couple came in uh, to see me. And, you know, I've been going back to my office a couple of days a week. And uh, we we had a great conversation and, and we reviewed their wealth plan. And uh, it, it was amazing that they are a prospective client. So, you know, they're not a client yet. And we talked about their wealth plan. And, you know, I asked them, hey, look what are the five things that are on your bucket list? 
<laughs> and it, they couldn't think of them. So they're going back home. They're going to think about that. And then we're going to have breakfast somewhere in the near future. But, uh, you know, it, the rest of it's, you know, uh, as it is. But the key is, is that they saw some things on the wealth plan. And, you know, we I plugged it onto my computer and we started doing what ifs. And it was amazing that they they could not uh, they could not fathom what would happen here or whatever or how much wealth they could build based on what they're you know a couple things I tweaked for them uh, so it was it was fun to talk with them but they didn't know I mean just think about it are there five things that you have on your bucket list that you'd like to do that's a good question. So anyway, I looked at a couple charts this week, and I, I looked at the XLP, which is the Consumer Staples uh, Select Sector Fund. Um, and boy, you know, it held its uptrend line. It's reversing back up, uh, you know, pulled back. But there might be a, you know, the momentum starting to turn. Uh, you know, usually you don't want that sector to go up in a bull market. Uh, but, you know, we're going to talk about a couple of more things beyond that. I had six questions about crypto. Look, I, I don't follow crypto. I, I haven't. I, I was in it at the beginning. I'm not in it anymore. Uh, I, I don't follow it. OK, so um, I don't, don't send them in. I'm not going to be able to answer them. Uh, I'll leave it at that. But we do talk about the bullish percent over the overall stock market. Um, and and one of the things that the bullish percent does is it, is it keeps you. It keeps your mind on the market. It keeps your mind on the risk level. So it's just a it's a chart that goes from zero to one hundred, and when you get over seventy, that's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. Everybody's happy. That's when you should be worried. Okay, that's when you should be frightened. Then we get below thirty, which we are right now, and everybody you know nobody opens their four hundred one k statement. Nobody wants to talk about the market. That's when you should be greedy. Now a column of X's means we have the offensive team on the field. Column of O's is when there's distribution. And all this is is the number of stocks on point and figure charts, buy signal. So when there aren't any, that's a good time to buy. When there are too many, that's a good time to be careful. Last year, we were at 80. We talked about it for six, almost six months. We went from between 80, 60 and 80, 60 and 75, 4, 3, 2, 1. All right? And then we broke 60 in, in October. That was the time to be careful. Uh, we have a lot of cash. I've had a lot of cash for a long time. Apologize to my clients, but uh, you know my job is to make sure you maintain your principal, not lose it. Okay. Um, anyway, the New York bullish percent was at twenty six point five percent this week. It's in a column of X's. Unfortunately, it's an overall sell signal, uh, and that's just because <clears throat> it hasn't broken a double top or. Or a downtrend line or anything like that. So the over-the-counter index is at 24. It was down pretty big this week. Uh, and it's in a column of X's, but it is in a long-term sell signal right at the moment also. The world index is in a column of O's. It hit 30. Uh, that chart does not look too good. <laughs> I'll just say it. I don't think there's any reason to be in international stocks right now. I know I, I own a couple. I own one ETF in that area, and I'm uh, regretting it. And uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, now, if you look at the dynamic asset level investing, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting because um, domestic equities are are no longer number one. They're number three. Commodities are number one, but they're slipping quick. Fixed income is picking up. Let me say that again. Domestic equities are number three. They're not top dog anymore. Okay, Commodities are, but they're losing steam fast. They're still number one, though, all right? And fixed income has picked up almost 10 votes. So, remember I talked about bank hybrid deferreds? Usually, you know, that's a pretty good place to park money if the interest rates start to come down, okay? Now, I will say this. Consumer non-cyclicals, the consumer staples, that's what I just talked about, are overweight and improving. They're number one now. Financials is number two, energy's dropped to number three, utilities number four, industrials number five. Basic materials are no longer favored. Okay. Healthcare uh, has gained another 10 votes. Remember, healthcare had been down and out for five or six years. 
and starting to see. Uh, now, energy, you can overweight, but it is weakening. Utilities are equal weight. Basic materials are weakening. Uh, communication services are un- underweight. And healthcare, you still want to underweight it, but it's improving. So we'll see what happens uh, over the, the course. Um, I, I have a lot of questions about international stocks, and I I, I don't see – I do see China. And, uh, you know, I was, I was watching uh, or listening to Bob uh, Rob Schleimer this week, and the Shenzhen has gone right down to its uptrend line and turned back up. And, uh, I mean, there's a couple of the, the Internet stocks in China that you might even be able to buy call options on, you know, so that's a good thing. Um, you know, the number, well, I'll go into that later. Uh, in international equities, I, I just, I, I'm not seeing a whole lot of stuff other than China that I'm think I'm jumping up and down on. Um, alternative assets have been, uh, you know, I mean, oil's been getting whacked for four weeks now. And remember, we, we said last week that it, it had, you know, it had lost some of its momentum. And it's still losing some momentum, so be careful on it. Um, but it, it's it's a period of time where I think that, you know, and I, I mentioned this earlier, and I'll say it again, commodities broke out of a 13-year downtrend. And, you know, that that's a problem, okay? Uh, and it they went up, and normally when they normally would have pulled back, Ukraine hit. And Ukraine sent oil, natural gas, all those stocks, all, all those assets much higher than they normally would go, okay? But, you know, one of the things everybody's saying, well, what, Tim, what about gold in the inflationary index? Well, you know, gold is only down like 6%, okay? So it, it's, it's not a bad situation. It's probably held up better than any, any com, you know, of the other commodities uh, since the peak. But it, it hasn't been a situation where, um, you know, you, you've been seeing the great things happen. Okay. So look, technology strength has been there for the last five or six days. And it, it's, it's pro- providing some stability to stock indices. Now, the problem is we're going in to earnings season and, and, you know, we, we do our, our bus tour this week. Uh, and next, and, and so we'll be, uh, you know, Matt Hedberg and the boys who are in the software area are going to be heading out. And the, the big question is, uh, you know, are the earnings going to start to come down? Or are the earnings going to hold up? The other thing is uh, crude oil and precious metals showed some huge losses, which look important to me. Okay. So that, that would, you know, the, the three areas, it's food, oil, cars, and homes are the inflation problems. Homes are starting to pull back a little bit, okay? Food is not. Oil has pulled back, you know, it was 135 just uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And remember, I said, you know, on the show here, I thought we'd have a little bit of weakness coming up in oil, a little bit more than I expected, (laughs) to be honest with you. And it's pulled back. And now used cars are starting, you know, like I said earlier, we're starting to get some of those subprime loans and used cars start to come back. And I think in the decline in the, in the five-year break-even, uh, uh, five-year over five-year, it, 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 it kind of argues that we're on the verge of a deflationary cycle. That's, that's my humble opinion. And I look, I think the Standard Poor's balance looks temporary for now. Until we break that downtrend line or we make a higher low, I don't think you want to be going hog wild, okay? Um, now, I talked about last week about a company that was trading at 2.5 times earnings, was $10 below book value, had a 3.8% dividend yield, and it had one of the hottest new products on the, on the market. And some people bought it much higher. Very smart people. I mean, extremely smart people. There was an article in Barron's about it this weekend. How about that, huh? So we knew about it two weeks ahead of everybody. <laughs> there we go. But I do think that the the balance in the S and P 500 looks temporary because there's some pretty strong resistance at the you know 3850 to 3900 area, maybe 3950 that hundred point range, and I think yields likely will probably head back to the old highs, and that that'll be uh, 
if we break out to a new high in yields, my thesis about yields not coming back is going to be a good one. And the, and the building, the building uh, stocks look like they're going to uh, take a pause, but they also look like if they pull back and they pull back right to support, uh, they may be a, a good place to be coming up. Uh, but, you know, look, I'll say this, the, the uh, TNX, which is the, the, t- the 10-year yield, a five-year yield, uh, is rising and has pretty good support at 270. So if that holds, you know, you almost either the 10-year has to either go up or come down. If it comes down, that would be a, a bad sign. It'd be an inverted yield curve. If it goes up, then, you know, my theory on yields going up are going to continue. And I think the commodities will probably continue to decline or start to go sideways coming up here because they got to test that downtrend line. Okay. Once you break a downtrend line after four, 14 years, nobody believes it. So they're going to test it one more time just to make sure you can't sleep if you own the commodity stocks. And pharma and biotech should be, I think, one of the, you know, if, if they break the downtrend line, I think. Biotech did break the downtrend line on Friday. I yeah, I gotta look a little bit closer. Uh, and pharma is starting to get some bids, so we'll see what happens going forward. But that that's a big positive, okay? But I, look, I think the S and P five hundred uh, they st- stalled a little bit. So hey, let's take a break and we'll come back uh, with the uh, insiders. See wh- who's buying what, okay? Get a question two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Stay tuned. Can Bobby in this city that aren't like any others. One gives you the real news and issues and honest analysis from some of the best talkers in America. The other gives you music and entertainment that's safe for the whole family. Something you and your kids can actually listen to together. Oh yeah, we're different, all right. For real news and information, turn to AM 1420, The Answer. And for entertainment, safe for the whole family, turn to 95.5, The Fish. Because different is good. Dennis Prager explains the reach of the left. Leftism is nihilism, the belief in nothing. So therefore, there will always be more. Give us an inch, we give you an inch, you take a mile. That is the definition. Please understand that is always the case with the left. Always. The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1420. The answer. And Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Michael Stanley, we miss him. Great Cleveland icon. Uh, anyway, so now we uh, we talk about insiders, and uh, you know, in, insiders are important because they tend to give us ideas of what are happening in their in the stocks uh, ahead of time, and they tend to be early. And you know, the key is is if you have an insider that likes the stock, and an analyst that likes the stock, and you have a decent chart. Maybe you should pay attention. <laughs> now, here's here's an interesting one. Amazon took a two percent position in Grubhub this week, and that's that's fairly interesting. Okay, so uh, Amazon's got a lot of money. A lot of people thought they were going to buy Kohl's because they got a return policy through Kohl's. Uh, Kohl's took themselves off the market and got creamed. I, I was in that stock, made some good money on it, and then got out. Uh, and then Barica Pharmaceuticals, uh, which is a little three and a half dollar stock, moved up quite a bit. Um, we had uh, John Stafford. He he bought uh, this this week uh, on the fifth. He bought two hundred and thirty eight thousand shares at two ten, and then it popped. Okay, and so did Paul Manning, who's a director. But Paul bought four point seven eight million shares. But also, um, uh, Perceptive Bio, uh, which is a big uh, company that buys biotechs and, and that type of thing. They bought 1.42 million shares, 
And then there was five others who bought about 5,700 shares to 2,300, 23,000 shares. So there's big buyers uh, in Brasera, uh, which I think is kind of interesting. And then, you know, one of the things, bio, 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 uh, 8.9 bio, which we have a really good report on, by the way. We, we had RA Capital Management, which is smart money, bought 2.8 million shares. That's about $10 million. And then the other thing I noticed is growth and income funds. Ellsworth's Growth and Income Fund, Mario Gabelli, the great Gabelli, uh, he's an advisor to him, bought 600,000 shares at 10. And then Raphael Holdings, which is another bio, which got creamed, by the way, it was $8, it's now $1.86. We had the executive chairman, Howard Jonas, buy $3.2 million or, or $6 million worth. Oh, I'm sorry, Mario Gabelli bought uh, uh, Ellsworth twice. Uh, he bought 600,000 shares and he bought another 190,000 shares. And here's another healthcare stock, Quotient Limited, which is uh, in the diagnostics area. And this is like a 30 cent stock. So this is not for widows or orphans, obviously. Uh, but we had uh, a, a, a two directors each buy $1.4 million worth. I think that's kind of interesting. And then we have another uh, medical company called Beyond Air. Now, this is already up. So the guy bought it, he, he's, the, uh, he's a director. He bought 175,000 shares for 1.1 million at 645. It's already at 10, so you might want to wait on this. And here's another one we have on our prime income list: uh, Nextra Energy, which is a utility. Uh, the president and CEO John Ketchum, who's a pretty smart guy, I listened to him a couple weeks ago. He bought uh, 13,000 shares at uh, 78, I think it was, and um, you know, it's million dollars worth. Uh, by the way, uh, Steve Lisi also bought some Zare, uh, I mean, some um, uh, Beyond Air. He bought a half a million, too, so it's quite a few. Now, there's a couple other names that I think are very interesting. Uh, Ron Olson, who's a director at Ber- Berkshire Hathaway, bought uh, half a million dollars worth of A&B, and then two days later, he bought another quarter million dollars of Berkshire A&B. Now, Berkshire's down like 100 bucks. From a tie, and no real apparent reason, obviously. Uh, and then here's another one that's interesting: um, Milt Alt. He bought uh, a company called BitNile Holdings, which is in the Bitcoin area. Uh, I think they have a big Ethernet position, but they've got killed. <laughs> they were a dollar, and they're now thirty cents. So this is, you know, it's for crazy people. Uh, and we'll just leave it at that. Okay, now. Well, one other thing I want to say, Jay Farner, who I think is a very bright guy, I've heard him speak several times, uh, at Rocket Mortgage, continues to buy $200,000 worth of Rocket pretty much every day for like three weeks now. Uh, and Rocket's made a good move off the bottom, by the way, and he, he bought it. Okay? He bought the move. So what I'm saying is he he, he didn't wait. He bought the move. Okay? So... Uh, it's kind of an interesting chart. I, I think it's very close to breaking his downtrend line. And I think he's bought $200,000 worth of stock, like I want to say 18 times. That's not chump change, folks. And then um, Franklin Resources, uh, you know, there's there's a income, Templeton Global Income Fund. Uh, there was quite a few people that bought that, uh, mostly Franklin Resources, by the way. And then also uh, Franklin Resources bought uh, ben is the symbol, uh, or GIM. Uh, they bought it quite a few times, so obviously they're getting bullish on their own stock. But quite a few people that have downplayed it, uh, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, so what else is going on? You know, I was looking at uh, uh, Rob Schleimer's work, and you know, I, I just want to emphasize a few things for the long run. Okay, secular bull markets tend to last. 16 to 18 years. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have a bear market in between them. Okay. One of the greatest bull markets ever was in the 80s and 90s. Just so you remember, we had 1987. And, you know, I, my wife told me she was pregnant on Friday. On Monday, we were down 500, 500 points or 25%. And I was wondering how I was going to feed the, the young child. Okay. So that's what happens in secular bull markets. That people get too excited on the upside, and then all of a sudden there's a, you know, a wipeout. But the uptrend's still in trace, in place. So just remember that. And the other thing is, look, I, I, I'm not going to make you know crazy statements, but the, we, we've had you know in modern times 
three major secular bull markets. Now, we've, we've had five of them, and they've all had the same return, 2,300%. If we go to 2,000, just to 2,000, all right, we'd be looking at 13,500 to 14,000 on the S&P 500. Now, that sounds like a long way away, and everybody says you're crazy, but we're not even talking going all the way to 2,300. We do that. We're talking almost 20000 on the S&P 500. Folks will get mighty rich during that period of time. So sometimes you have to go, you have to be patient. You, you know, you watch your stock go down. You wonder, oh, my God, what's going on here? But if you're in good quality, and most of my clients are in good quality, with the exception of a couple aggressive stocks. Uh, but if you look at drawdowns, um, outside the, the, you know, the 1929 decline, drawdowns greater than 35% from the three-year highs do not remain in neg- negative territory for very long. All right, so uh, you know we're we're getting close there. Okay, so we'll just remember just remember that. So that four year cycle, remember we talked about it earlier. The four year cycle would start up again in 2024. So in 2023, early, you know, you'll start to see the market move up a little bit and then get crazy on the upside. But the monthly momentum was very overbought, and now it's kind of fading a little bit. So just remember that. The S&P 500 index is getting very close to the uptrend line. It's also interesting that the bullish percent is below 30. Remember, the bullish percent is at 25. Now, it's still on a sell signal. If it breaks its downtrend line, then I think you, sit, you, know, then you, you can go in with both hands. But until then, you know, what you need to see is a higher high or higher low. And the, the, look, the bullish sediment is terrible. I mean, it's, it's like 9 10% are bulls. Uh, the bearish sentiment is off the charts. You know, it's at 59, right? So those are the time, that's how things uh, bottom. And I think you just have to be uh, uh, patient. And, um, you know, look, I'll say this, the Shanghai index, you know, the Chinese are the only major country that I can see that are, are loosening interest rates, loosening monetary policy. All the rest of them are, are raising rates. And if you look at the Shanghai index or the Shenzhen index, they're making major triangle uh, things, just like the FANG. Okay, so it'll be interesting to see if that comes out. But uh, just remember, the big change is the ten-year yield and the dollar have broken down trends from thirty. Well, the dollar is 30, 36 years. The the yield is forty years. So the bull market in bonds is probably over. Okay, so what would I do right now? I think it's a great time to buy dividend growth stocks. All right. Uh, and prime income, you know, you buy yield when it's up. When the stocks go down, their yields go up. There's some really good deals out there, 3 4% dividend yields, companies that raise them every year. There's some 2 and 3% dividend yields where they raise them 6 to 8% a year. Believe me, you'll beat inflation that way. Look, this is one of the – the beginning of this year is in the top 5% of worst years ever in the stock market. Normally, normally when that occurs – Big things happen after that. So if you'd like to have coffee with me, go to WHK1420. Go to, to uh, the local podcast down the Smart Investor Show. Just say, hey, Tim, I'd like to have breakfast with you or I'd like to have a cup of coffee in your office. And we'll sit down and talk. We'll do a wealth plan and think about the five things on your bucket list that you'd like to do. And maybe we can get you to afford them. In the meantime, have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. to the Smart Investor Hour. Saves to me during the week. Call them toll-free. 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. 
WHK, Cleveland, a service of Salem Media Group. Broadcasting from the Discount Drug Mart Studios. Proud to be celebrating over 50 years as your hometown pharmacy. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.